This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It is Scoop Podcast episode number 103. We keep this thing going so Droogie, my son, my older son, can be whatever he wants for Halloween. He just told the wife and me that he wants to be a gravedigger. The mind of a six-year-old always amazes me. So because he wants to be a gravedigger, we need to go dig and find and look for whatever a gravedigger would wear. I'm not even quite sure what a gravedigger necessarily would wear, but we'll find it so he can be that for Halloween. So that's why we keep this podcast going. We got to pay the bills. We'll get to good friend of the podcast, Jamal Crawford of the Wolves, in just a second. But first, some love for one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. It is Vine Park Brewing. Vinepark.com online. Vine Park Brewing is in St. Paul. On West 7th Street between 35E and downtown St. Paul. They've been making beers there for 22 years. You don't make it 22 years without a good product. Swing in there. They have all sorts of different flavors. Whatever your taste buds like, they will have a beer that will satisfy those taste buds. Maybe they'll have a beer that can allow me to shake this cold. I have a cold that has been kicking my butt since late August. Cold one. Me zero. I could use some Vine Park beer just to make me feel a little bit better, to put a smile on my face. Vinepark.com again for more information. Also, if you're interested to see how they make their beer, $7 gets you a tour. It gets you a flight or a pint plus Higgy's Pizza. Andy, the owner, is a big hockey fan. Go in there, talk hockey with Andy. Or you go in there, you brew your own beer, or you make your own wine with their help on their equipment. Whatever you want. If you're into making beer, if you're into just buying craft beer, if you're into just sampling local beer, whatever it is, swing into Vine Park Brewing in St. Paul. They will take good care of you. Jamal Crawford takes good care of this podcast. We wouldn't be going strong at 103 episodes without contributors like Jamal. Let's get to Jamal now. The Wolves open up their season on Wednesday night, 8.30 in San Antonio. Jamal, always nice to catch up. You are entering year 18. Does it feel like you're entering year 18? No, it doesn't, to be honest with you. And it's, it's weird to even hear that. You know, when I hear it, it's like, wow, you're 18. You know, like, that, it sounds crazy in some ways. Like, it's just unbelievable, but I'm, I'm blessed. I'm happy to be here. I mean, in a million years, if I had told you 18 years ago that you would have an 18-year NBA career, heck, you'll likely have, what, a 19, 20, 21-year NBA career, maybe 22 or 23 years, the way you're going. What would you have told me? I wouldn't have believed you. I, I mean, think about it. The average career is four years. Yeah. Ten years is a long time. You know, ten years or something. Fifteen years is like, oh, my gosh. That's And then, you know, once you get above that, it's almost unheard of. So to be in the minority and be blessed enough and, and lucky enough to be able to still be at a high level, I'm just I'm blessed. I'm very, very thankful for it. What are the keys to durability to playing this long heck? Last year, what did you play? 82 games? The year before, 79 games? So you're playing a lot of games, and you're not a young guy. What What is the key to that? Well, I think never getting out of shape. I think that really helps a lot. You know, I think uh, when you do that and you, and, you, and you stay in shape and you keep the muscles firing, it's not a shock to the body when you come back to competing at a high level. So I try to do it even when I'm off. I'm never really off, you know, so to speak. And then I think uh, not poisoning my body, not putting anything bad in my body. And then uh, just staying in love with the game, doing all the little things, you know, stretching, foam rolling, massages, cold tub, hot tub, all those little things I think had up. And then just, God, I mean, having the body type to be able to handle playing like that. How much have you changed your diet over the years? 
a lot, and it's weird because I didn't notice I was doing it at first. I remember my wife flipped me some Whole Foods, and I was like, Whole Foods, what's this? You know, and then <laughs> it went from that point to where I was eating it once a month maybe to eating it three or four times a week. You know, so little changes like that, and I didn't realize I was doing it. And uh, obviously hired a chef just to get better meals and meals that could really help me and things of that nature, drunk a lot more water. Uh, and then I think a lot of it's prevention, you know, taking care of yourself before you actually hurt, you know, stretching and doing those things that you, you really need to do to take care of your body. So what's the typical what's the typical diet on a daily basis? I mean, what do you have for breakfast? What do you have for lunch? What do you have for dinner? Well, for breakfast, I may have oatmeal and fruit. Uh, for lunch, I do a, a salad with some type of protein. And then for dinner, it just depends. It could be fish or, or uh, you know, probably fish more than likely. You know, if I had, like, chicken, let's say, on the salad earlier. And then in between that, you'll have, like, your recovery shakes or uh, maybe a, a granola bar or something in between. And that's pretty much the, the basis for me. I'm pretty simple. I suppose having a personal chef, I mean, heck, that's that's part of the investment as, as a professional athlete, right? I mean, you don't look at that as an expense. I mean, that is, it's it's almost a necessity, you could argue, right, a personal chef? You definitely could because your body's your temple. And, you know, it's like if you if you were a car, so to speak, you wouldn't put uh, water in the gas tank, you know, or put bad gas in there. You have to take care of yourself, and uh, that's how you continue to play for a long time at a high level. So it's something, like you said, that you have to have if you're, if you're able to. What's the thrill, Jamal, of opening night like? I mean, you could argue, okay, it's one of 82, but it's really not, right? I mean, what is Wednesday night like for you? What is... What is opening night like for Jamal Crawford? What's it been like in years past? How's it going to be this Wednesday against the Spurs? Well, it's unbelievable because you can't sleep the night before. I think there's certain days that you just get a little bit more excited over the course of the season. I, we, obviously, we know it's a long season. I think opening night, I think the Christmas Day games, uh, I think uh, you know, going to the playoffs or the first playoff game, all those things, those moments are, are some of the the high points in the season that you really look forward to. And for us, it's even better because uh, there's teams playing on that Tuesday, tomorrow, and you get a chance to really get, let the excitement go and watch other teams and just get that feel back. And, you know, performing in front of a, a 20,000 people when it really counts, you know, if you're not doing it for so long, it's just nothing like it. Be careful using the P word around here, Jamal. It's been a long time <laughs> since we've seen the playoffs. I know, I know. and But you know what? For, for us, where we want to go, that's not the ultimate goal, but that's just uh, a step in, you know, that's a, something we have to go through to get to where we want to go. So you kind of have to bring it up a little bit. All right, so the ultimate goal is what? It's the championship, right? Do you feel like that yeah. you have a team that can make a legitimate run? I think so. I really do, but obviously time will tell. It's not going to be an easy process. We'll have streaks where we, we lose a couple or lose a few in a row, and that's just part of the season. But it's how you bounce back from that. What did you learn from those losses? You know, and obviously we're not a finished product. We're just getting together for the first time. So we're going to fill each other out and see how things go. And at the end of the season, uh, we'll be a much, much better team than we are starting on Wednesday. I saw you earlier today. You were talking to, to the media. You said there is, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but something like there's unbelievable culture here. What do you yeah. mean by unbelievable culture? Just the culture that, that kids have set up. I mean, from how things are structured uh, to, you know, how guys lift, how guys uh, shoot, how guys work on their game, how guys are together, how guys are all about getting better, like just the culture of it from everything, from the weights, the weight programs, to the, the 
nutrition to how they take care of the bodies here, just the, the culture. Everything the kids have set up. And with the coaching staff, there's always a coach out there if you want to shoot. There's always somebody there to get you filmed. Just everything that's set up is it's really, really nice. And I think a player coming from a different team, from a different situation, and not just me, I mean the future as well, I think they can appreciate that. I suppose it's not a surprise to you, right? I mean, you had heard all the stories about Tibbs. Now being with Tibbs firsthand, the fact that there's you know incredible attention to detail, that cannot be a surprise to you. It's not a surprise, but it is a surprise of how detailed he is. Mm. Like I knew that was coming into it. He was very detailed and very thought out, and you know things are very, very structured and you know very efficient with the time. But it's even more than that. Like it, it's like nothing I've ever seen in a good way. You know, from the way he does things and the way he he goes about things and the way he you know just conducts things is it's unbelievable. No stone is is unturned. Jamal, as far as Tibbs' practices go, would you say as demanding, less demanding, or even more demanding than, than you had thought? Uh, even more demanding. Like, I knew <laughs> it was intense. Really? It's like every <laughs> second. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a good thing, though. Sure. Like, it's not anything bad about it. Yeah, it's a good thing because you'll be in the best shape you've ever been in. You'll, like, one thing, uh, as you go, you'll be game ready with intensity. You know what I mean, you won't be able to ease into anything. Like, the way we go through our stuff and the intensity we go through is maximum effort. You know, so it, it keeps you sharp. And you don't have to have a light switch to turn it on or turn it off. You're already on at all times. And, and that's a great thing to build good habits. Have you ever played for a coach before? You've played for many. What is this now, 18 coaches in the NBA? Any of the previous 17 run a practice like Tibbs? Uh, Larry Brown was similar. You know, the way he kind of uh, conducted things and the way he went about things. He was a teacher, very efficient with his time as well. Uh, I think he was very, very similar. That's the closest person I could think of right off the top that was, you know, it, it really, really uh, kind of conduct things the way Tibbs does. Who among the 18 runs or ran the most lax practice? The most lax? Ooh, I would have to really go back and think about that. And is there but, such I mean, a thing? I mean, you're going to go hard no matter what. I mean, just the competitor in you, is there such a thing as a as a lax practice? Yeah, I'm not sure there is. I mean, there's some that are, you know, to focus on one thing more than others or one that can, you know, pay more attention to this or that, but just everything. And you can see what kind of points of emphasis with certain coaches and certain things, whether it be offense, whether it be defense, whether it be, you know, spring back in transition, whatever their point of emphasis is, but his point of emphasis is everything. Like, there's no shortcuts to anything with him. And that's a good thing. Is there a sense that he'll that he'll ease up at some point, that he knows that you guys need your rest, that come December, January, February, the dog days of the season, that he can't be running you guys for two and a half, three hours? Do you think he understands that? Oh, no, he definitely does. And he's already gotten really good. Like, he, he nice. knows. That's the thing that's great about Tibbs is he really understands the pulse of our team. Like he knows when to push us. He knows when we may need a day off. He knows when to, okay, we're going to come in and really focus on shooting. Today's going to be a mental day, but we'll get some stuff accomplished. You know, he's really, really in tune with our team. And, and that's a great thing about him. You know, so I have no complaints whatsoever there. As smart a guy as you've been around on the basketball court? Yeah, absolutely. And it's detailed and prepared. He is the most, I can't even think of a coach, he's the most prepared I've seen. Like, I mean, just putting man hours into to what he's doing is 
I mean, being at 5 in the morning, leaving at 11 at night. Like, I, I just don't know anybody else who's putting in those kind of hours. I mean, we think of him as this unbelievable defensive coach, and I think he is. But considering that work ethic, is he actually an underrated offensive coach? No, he's just an underrated coach, period. You know, but but I think that's kind of to the people that, you know, have the power of the pen. But I think his coaches are in, the, in that fraternity, they really respect him because they know it's not just he's a defensive coach, you know, or if he's just an offensive coach. I think he's just a great coach. And, and I think that's why guys really enjoy playing for him. Look at a guy like Derrick Rose. He became the youngest MVP ever. And, of course, that takes talent. But that takes somebody leading him in the right direction and showing how to get the best out of them as well. Do you expect to learn a good amount? I mean, you already know a good amount about your team, but do you expect to learn a good amount this week when you play ooh, the Spurs Wednesday, the Jazz Friday, the Thunder Sunday? I mean, that's a pretty hefty first three games. It is. It is. And the thing about it, though, the NBA season is so long. You know and you, you know how it is there. You can have your highs and lows from, from month to month, even week to week. So I won't, I'm not sure I'll learn that much about us from the start, you know, if you give it me a month or so, sometimes it takes a while to kind of get your identity. Uh, I think we have an identity, but just kind of gelling and stuff together, it may take longer than that. But I'm interested to go out there and play and play against somebody else again, instead of the guys we're playing against every day. Leonard out for Wednesday for the Spurs. How much will that change how the Spurs play? Well, I think, you know, like with any Spurs team, Popovich keeps them ready. Mm-hmm. No matter who's out, they just plug a guy in and, and they go and, and they win. That's just what they do. You know, obviously Kawhi's one of the very best players in the NBA, you know, by far. Uh, but they'll be ready, I'm sure, and they'll be ready to go. I mean, heck, I would think they'll take it as some sort of personal challenge, right? That that, you know, whether it's true or not, that people will say, Oh, they can't beat the Wolves minus Kawhi. You know that Lamarcus and those guys are gonna take that as a personal challenge. You know they're gonna be ready to go on Wednesday night. Oh, they'll definitely be ready, without a doubt. I mean, even before this group, Pop's been doing the same thing for 20 years, you know, and 20-plus years, and, and his groups always stay ready, and that's a, a credit to him. You know, I think that's why the Spurs have kind of been the gold standard uh, of the NBA for the last 10, 15 years. Looking at the home opener on Friday, Jamal, do you have a sense of, of what Ricky Rubio meant to this community, you know, the, the sort of standing ovation, rightfully so, that he'll get on Friday night? Yeah, obviously, Ricky was such a, a key uh, cog to the pieces here. You know, he's one of the one constant. Uh, you look at his style of play, he was exciting to watch. He was exciting to, you know, I think he was very uh, likable, you know, in the community. I think he was very likable on the court. Uh, he always played with a smile. I think his teammates liked him. Uh, I think the city, you know, really grew to love him. And he'll get a stand ovation and, and be very well deserved. Jamal, how much will you play one this year? I mean, we always think of you as as an off guard, but will you be on the will you be on the ball a good amount? I think so. I really do. I think I'm a combo guard. Uh, people don't realize I averaged almost four assists in my career, and that's pretty rare for a quote unquote two guard or gunslinger or gunner or whatever. I came in as a point guard, you know, so I'm very comfortable uh, setting up the offense and getting guys shots as well. So I just look at it as a, a double threat that way, not just scoring, but assisting, getting guys easier shots as well. What is that fine line, though? I mean, there was one preseason game where you played, like, what, 25, 26, 27 minutes. Was it one of the Warriors games or maybe it was a Lakers game? You would know better than me. But did you only take one shot in, like, 25, 26 minutes? I mean, when yeah. I think of Jamal Crawford, I think of more than one shot in that many minutes. <laughs> yeah, I took uh, – in three games, I took nine shots. 
And, I mean, obviously it's the preseason. And I'm kind of filling things out, seeing how things will go. But you you can trust and believe I'll take more than, than one shot in the game. Uh, it was just, you know, I'm, I try not to predetermine. I try to just take what the games it calls for. You know, some games I'll take more shots than others. Some games I'll take less shots. And whatever I think it takes that night to win. If somebody has it going, if I'm in the second unit with Tyus and he really has it going, I'll make sure he gets the shots, the bulk of the shots that night. I, I don't play with an agenda. So, for me, it's just whatever it takes to win. But at the, the core of who I am, I'm a scorer. But I feel like I'm an underrated passer as well. Do you have a sense that the rest of the second unit has that same attitude? I mean, there's a lot of guys that want the ball and want to take shots. Do you sense that the Shabazzes of the world and everybody else on that second unit, that you guys can mesh and you will defer to the hot hand on, on any given night? Yeah, I think so. And we've all talked. And obviously we, we know we want to point the ball. You know what I mean? Like we, we know who the main scorers are, but that doesn't mean anybody else can't shoot. It, I think it's just good, no matter who it is, to be able to point the ball in a, a, a direction. And then we play off of that and see how they're doing it. And so guys, you know, if the key guy is getting double teamed, it's his to make the play, to pass the ball, to move it. You know, it's not like, hey, I have to come in and try to get 15 or 20 every single night. No, you come in with a job, but your job is also to make your teammates' job easier. So we'll play it by ear. We know where we want to go, but we have to be able to adjust and get guys shots as well. I know you don't have a predetermined number in mind, but you took 322 three-pointers last year. If you had to guess, would you go over or under that amount for this year? I would go over. I would definitely go over this year. Uh, just looking at the weapons and how Tibbs wants to play and how, uh, you know, I think that we want to play. I think the three-pointer is such a weapon. You know, I'm a pretty good shooter there, so I've been really working on it. And, you know, I'm going to fire him up. So. When you say how you guys want to play, how Tibbs wants to play, you know, explain to the audience what you mean by that. What I mean by that is, obviously, we know who we are. We want to be a defensive-minded team at first. We want to be a team that can get stops and really uh, kind of break your spirit with, with how we're guarding and playing defense. But along with that, we want to get up and get easy baskets. We want to get uh, as many easy baskets as possible. I think that's a lot easier when you don't have to play against a set defense every single time down the court. And we want to play with tempo, with pace. We have a lot of great scores, and I think for us, uh, that's what it's about, you know. So we'll, we'll be playing a lot faster and getting shots up to, uh, before defenses can set for us. I was catching up with Eric Musselman, the head coach at Nevada. He's got some ties here to the area. He was at one of your practices in San Diego, and he told me he was maybe not blown away, but, but he didn't realize how vocal Jimmy Butler is on the practice court. How vocal is Jimmy Butler on the practice court, Jamal? He never stops talking. <laughs> he really doesn't. But that's a good thing as well because he knows exactly uh, how Tibbs wants to go about the different things and, and what Tibbs is looking for. So for us, it really, really helps us that he's kind of the bridge, you know, so to speak, to, between what Tibbs wants and us players, how to kind of get that message to us. And, you know, Tibbs may say something to us, and Jim is like, hey, are you guys understand what he's saying? He's saying if you do this like this, then this will happen. You know, so it, it's, it's a nice touch. And, him talking is great for us. Is it a pretty close team to that China trip bring you guys close together? Yeah, the China trip definitely helped. I think it was much needed, especially when you have so many new guys, not just new guys, but guys that are in your top six, seven, eight players, so many new guys uh, that are going to be counted on. I think it, it helped. It really did. We were able to spend a lot of time together, not just on the court, but off, and, and it'll pay dividends for us down the road. We'll let you go after this, Jamal, the – the new or the renovated Target Center, for many people, it'll look brand new. How how nice is it? You've been in there. You had the scrimmage in there on, what was it, Friday night. 
or Saturday. I think it was Friday, whatever it was. But you've been in there. You practiced in there earlier today. How impressive is the new Target Center? It's unbelievable. It's a, a sweet place. Even behind the scenes, the stuff you don't see from the hot tub, the cold tub, the locker room, uh, everything is just state of the art. You know, and you want to spend time there. When you have a facility that looks like that, you want to spend as much time there as possible. Uh, and that's why we've been having some practices there and just getting comfortable there. So we're excited about playing there and opening up for the our fans on Friday night. Jamal, we look forward to Friday night. We look forward, heck, to Wednesday. We look forward to Sunday. It should be a very fun season. We always appreciate your contributions to the podcast. Anytime, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Jamal Crawford, such a good guy. He already loves it here in the Twin Cities. His oldest son is active playing basketball in the West Metro. He told me his son loves going to the school he's going to. So Jamal Crawford, very happy that he landed here in Minnesota. We'll get to some Wolves notes, some Wolves scoops in just a second. Hey, guys, this is Manny Hill. And I'm Derek James. We are the Raised by Wolves podcast. You can check us out, of course, at 1500ESPN.com. You can search us on iTunes, and you can check us out, of course, at Podcast One. We talk Timberwolves. We talk music. We'll talk food a little bit once in a while, but uh, mainly talk basketball and, and a little bit of music as well. So check us out. You can find us, of course, iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, the Raised by Wolves podcast. Another goofy schedule for me this week, so I'm not quite sure I'll have time to do episode 104 later in the week. So this may be another episode that goes a bit longer than normal, or at least longer than just the news and notes ones. But I just don't know if my schedule will allow me time in front of a microphone come Thursday and Friday. In fact, I'm home Thursday with Droogie with MEA. I am home on Thursday, then working a good portion of the weekend. So I like having at least one episode, if not multiple, during the work week. So you can listen on the weekends. I don't think I'll record one on the weekend. So I think I'll just do episode 103. This week, then we'll get back to maybe multiple episodes next week if the schedule allows. But anyway, we'll get to some Wolves notes, some Gophers football, some Gophers basketball notes. We have Joe Hedstrom on. He committed to play basketball at the University of Wisconsin last week. He's from Hopkins. He's a big man. So we have all sorts of stuff to get to. But first, before we get to those Wolves notes, some love for Camp Zero Coolers. Online, camp-zero.com. If you use the promo code SCOOP, you get $10 off your next order. Why can't reliable, cool-looking products also be affordable? Well, the owners of Camp Zero asked that question. As brothers and business partners, they have traveled the world over the last 30 years developing and sourcing products to make outdoor living easier. Their philosophy is simple. It's very simple, in fact. You offer ruggedly cool outdoor products that are affordable and, more importantly, designed to withstand the rigors of the outdoors. Whether you are headed to go camping, fishing, you know, what else could you be doing outdoors? All sorts of different things. Hunting, you think about the hunting season coming up. Tailgating, will you be tailgating on Saturday? Gophers, Illinois, homecoming. Will you be there at 7 or 8 a.m. for that 2.30 kickoff? Thankfully, it's not an 11 a.m. kickoff. So sick of 11 a.m. kickoff. So I'm very thankful. It's later than 11. It was a little late for the Michigan State Gopher start after that thunder, I guess, lightning delay. I guess it would have been a lightning delay of 45 minutes. But I'll take even 7.45, 8 o'clock at night, or 2.30 like the Illinois game over 11 a.m. So maybe you're heading to campus on Saturday morning to tailgate. Or maybe you're just attending a future family picnic. Well, Camp Zero branded products 
will always have your back. They have some really cool coolers. Go to their website. Check them out. Camp-Zero.com. In no particular order, maybe I'm biased because he was on a recent Scoop podcast, Marcus George's Hunt is among the players in the Wolves opening night roster when he is officially on the roster as of Wednesday the 18th. He has a salary guarantee of $275,000. The guarantee becomes over $1 million in January. So essentially the Wolves have another couple months to take a look at George's Hunt decide if they want him on the roster for the entire year. And come January, if they decide they do want him, he'll have a full guarantee for the season of about $1.2 million. ESPN Zach Lowe, who is an excellent read, he had a recent story, 30 predictions, 30 predictions for the NBA season. One of his 30 was that the Wolves eventually move Cole Aldrich plus a second-round pick to Phoenix for Jared Dudley. Now on Scoop Podcast episode 102, I had the note, that the Wolves, going back a few weeks, had reached out to all the teams with cap space. So Phoenix being among those teams, also Dallas, Philadelphia, Chicago, Indiana, inquiring, seeing if they had any interest in Cole Aldrich, but that the Wolves were not looking for any sort of veteran help. In return, they were more looking to move some money. But how about this? I am told that the Wolves have done some due diligence on Jared Dudley. He's missed the entire preseason. I guess the preseason now would be over. He missed the entire preseason after undergoing some toe surgery during the summer. He should be okay soon. There's still a belief that at some point the Phoenix Suns moved Jared Dudley. So I'm told the Wolves have started to do some due diligence on the surgery, how he's doing health-wise, that there is some Wolves interest in Jared Dudley. Now, I remind you, going back to last summer, I guess summer of 2016, so two summers ago, the Wolves had no free agent interest in Jared Dudley. But the narrative, the situation has changed. After you made all the changes that you did, the Wolves feel like at some point they'll need a little bit more wing depth, but I don't sense anything is close. In fact, I can tell you, no Jared Dudley trade is close, mostly because he isn't anywhere near being ready to play The Suns also aren't ready to move him. The Wolves aren't quite ready to move Cole Aldrich either. I mean, Cole is one of those guys that completely gets his role. He's a great teammate. He does all this stuff in the community. The Wolves actually really like Cole Aldrich, but they also realize with his 2018-2019 money not fully guaranteed, he's about their best trade chip for some team looking for cap space moving forward. But I will say, because the Wolves have done some due diligence on Jared Dudley, it is a name to watch as we get closer to the trade deadline. Maybe it's a name to watch come December, come January. But again, I can't stress this enough, no Wolves-Suns trade is even remotely close. I was asked a lot on Twitter about any interest in Richard Jefferson. The Bucks were in on Jefferson. The Nuggets got Richard Jefferson. The Wolves did not inquire. The Wolves had no interest in Richard Jefferson. I'm now getting a lot of questions about Wade Baldwin, the former Grizzlies first-round pick, high school teammate of Carl Anthony Towns. No, I'm told no Wolves interest so far in Wade Baldwin as of Tuesday early evening. I'm told the Pelicans have some interest, the Rockets have some interest, the Knicks have some interest. No on the Wolves. Also on the Wolves was asked on Twitter about the fourth jersey. Could it possibly be black with... Some tree trim, no, don't look for it to be that exact jersey. You can find the exact wording of the question at D Wolfson KSTP. I did not retweet it, but if you do a Twitter search at D Wolfson KSTP, it was a question I got sometime Tuesday morning, and then I believe a couple other Wolves writers hopped in, so I didn't need to be the third person to hop in on that. But I can tell you, for sake of this podcast, do not look for the Wolves' fourth jersey 
to be black with tree trim. Also on the Wolves, the buzz is that Justin Patton, who fired his agent Andy Miller, is leaning toward signing with Mark Bartlestein, Priority Sports. So Justin Patton, Wolves rookie, who, by the way, is doing well. He'll spend a good portion of the year when he's healthy in Iowa in the G League. But he's doing more and more. He's not quite ready for full contact, five-on-five. But he is making progress from that off-season surgery. Thought it was very cool on Instagram on, what would it have been, on Monday night, seeing Jimmy Butler drop by an Orono fourth-grade football game. I mean, Jimmy Butler is just one of those cool guys. You think about his friendship with Mark Wahlberg. You know, I know his agent a little bit, Bernie Lee. You know, some other people that know Jimmy, I just I keep hearing he is one of those guys that you would just love to hang with. Really cool guy. There's been a bunch of cool feature stories on him, including by Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated. You just get the vibe from reading all the feature stories on him, how cool of a guy he is, plus how great of a player he is. You know, we heard from Jamal Crawford earlier in the podcast how vocal he is in practice, you know, how he brings at both ends. We know that. I mean, you can make a case Jimmy Butler is a top eight to top ten player in the NBA. When talking about two-way guys, still pretty incredible. The Wolves got such an elite player. They had to give up a lot. I still think Zach Levine has a very high ceiling. That was Flip Saunders' guy. You know, I know Flip, his vision, you know, Flip was still alive. You know, I don't think he ever would have moved Zach Levine. Although Sam Mitchell on episode 102 said, hey, Flip was still savvy enough where if he had a chance to get a really good player, he would have moved anyone. I just don't know if I agree with Sam on that. But maybe Sam would know. In fact, Sam should know better than I would. But I just know how much Flip thought of Zach Levine. But, hey, the Wolves had to strike. You have a chance to acquire a multi-time All-Star, an Olympian, somebody that Tom Thibodeau has a history with, a player that good, still in the prime of his career. You had to do it. I would have done that deal 10 out of 10 times. It's still pretty amazing that Jimmy Butler is in a Wolves uniform. A couple other NBA notes, a couple local guys. I'll note that Nate Walters from St. Cloud – He made the Utah Jazz opening roster, so good for Nate, friend of the podcast. Also, Rashad Vaughn, my Golden Valley neighbor, Rashad Vaughn of the Milwaukee Bucks, is available via trade. The Bucks have been shopping him. I'm told both the Knicks and Nets have shown a little bit of interest. I don't sense any trade is remotely close, but those are two teams that have some interest in Rashad Vaughn, former first-round pick. Robbinsdale Cooper High School alum. Some Twins notes, organizational meetings will be in the winter. Typically under Terry Ryan, the Terry Ryan regime, they would do the organizational meetings sometime in October, you know, within a few weeks after the season had ended. But different under Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, that's when they all gather, all the scouts, pretty much everybody in the front office. So many people, they all gather down in Fort Myers and go over every aspect of the organization. Look for those organizational meetings to take place in the winter, not any time soon although it'll be before the year is over sometime november december but not right now not in october like terry ryan would have done also on the twins they lost a regional scout and area scout taylor cameron he became a cross checker with the seattle Mariners, so that's a promotion he had his fingerprints on the royce lewis drafting you know based in la i mean he watched a lot of guys i know the twins thought highly of taylor cameron they just didn't have a spot to promote him you know, to keep him in the organization. So I know they are happy for him, though, that he's on his way to the Mariners organization. 
with a promotion. The Twins have hired four new area scouts. They also moved two area scouts to new locations. They are still trying to hire one more area scout. No final determination yet on Miguel Sano. Will he have that rod inserted? Will he undergo surgery to relieve some of that pain? That shin injury, no determination yet. Thad Levine told a number of us last week that surgery was a last-ditch option, that they were trying to do everything in their power to make sure or to ensure to try and avoid Miguel Sano undergoing surgery. No final determination, but the fact they have brought up surgery, and I reported a number of weeks ago on Twitter that the lean was surgery. Uh, So we may have some news on that in the coming weeks. But as of the taping of this podcast, nothing determined as of yet what else do i've written down on the twins front we saw the john manuel hire from baseball america longtime editor baseball america one twin source told me hey this is a fantastic hire nobody has more connections in the game than john manuel so they will utilize him he was hired as a pro scout what else do i have written down heck where am i at here dave island former royals pitching coach certainly has interest in the twins pitching coach job as of monday He had not been contacted, but there was a thought from the island camp that he would be in the mix. I saw the note from Charlie Walters that Frank Viola should be in the mix for one of the Twins jobs. Maybe not major league pitching coach, but maybe roving minor league pitching instructor. Nothing brewing quite yet on that front, although Frank has gone silent for the last few days. Frank would make some sense as the roving minor league pitch instructor. So keep an eye on that name. Again, I will defer to Shooter, though, with the initial note on Frank Viola. Ron Gardenhire, former Twins manager, will interview later this week for the Red Sox job. Also interviewing this week for the Tigers job. A Red Sox source tells me he's more of a long shot. Now, I guess he could blow Dave Dombrowski away in the interview later this week. That could change everything. But as of now, it looks like it's Alex Cora's job to lose. He works with the Astros right now. We'll get to Hopkins big man Joe Hedstrom in just a second on his commitment to Wisconsin. But first, some love for running tap. Running hyphen tap. Here it is. It's a coupon for $20 off a $30 purchase. How about that deal? Here's the code, the scoop 2 Again, the scoop 2 You enter that on running-tap.com for 20 bucks off your order of $30 or more. Again running-tap.com. Do not forget the website. They are a new startup that delivers beer directly from tap rooms to you. People don't think about it, but beer in the liquor stores has been sitting around, sometimes upwards of six months, for an IPA that can really influence how the IPA was meant to taste. Also, there's 150 breweries in the state, heck, over 150 breweries in the state now. Many of those guys are making small batches of amazing stuff, But 90% of those beers don't make it into the liquor stores or bars, but they can make it to your living room because of running tap. They even deliver on Sundays, so they deliver seven days a week. Check out the website, running-tap.com. Check out all the different breweries that they stop by, will stop by for you, for your sake. Whatever beer you want, whatever local beer you want, they will pick it up. They will deliver it to you. Running-tap.com is the website. And don't forget the scoop code. The scoop podcast code. The scoop 002. Again, the scoop 002 for that $20 off coupon of an order of $30 or more. The website, running-tap.com, beer delivered right to you. It was middle of last week. I ran over to Hopkins High School in the neighborhood 
ran over there, caught up with Joe Hedstrom, senior big man for Hopkins. He accepted a four-for-five offer from Wisconsin, turned down a full ride to Utah, to UNC Wilmington, to some other schools, but clearly Utah is a good basketball school. He told them no for this four-for-five offer. Now, it's still possible that Wisconsin puts him on scholarship right away, but the initial plan is 2018-2019, he can redshirt, he will pay his own way, then he'll go on scholarship for the remaining four years. That's what a four-for-five means. So he would redshirt that first year, walk on that first year, pay his own way that first year, then be on scholarship from 2019-2020, on those next four years. Anyway, here's my conversation with Joe Hedstrom. The Gophers certainly watched Joe a bunch, but did not offer him. The Gophers did not have interest in Joe, but hey, Wisconsin did. Wisconsin develops big men. You can't go wrong being a Wisconsin Badger if you're a big man. So here is Joe Hedstrom on committing to the Badgers. Hi, Joe. Just take us through the excitement level. I mean, it was just last night. You made the decision. You are now going to be a Wisconsin Badger. Yeah. Oh man, it's amazing. It's like pinch me. It doesn't seem real. Oh, I'm so excited. It feels such a relief off my shoulders to finally make that decision. And so I'm pumped. I'm totally bought into what they have for me there. And I'm so excited to be a Badger and I'm Wisconsin, baby. Let's go. Tell us a little bit more about the relief. I mean, what's the process been like? I know Utah was after you. You had other offers. Yeah. What was it like? It was it was crazy. We spent a lot more time than I thought the past, especially few nights, just talking with my parents. I've fallen behind on a lot of homework. My teachers understand, but it's just like we spent so many more hours than even I thought just talking about, man, all these places are such good options. So I knew I couldn't really go wrong, which almost made it harder because if there were some programs that I was like, oh, man, you know, they're not very great, it would be easy to knock those off. But it was just like I know all these programs are great guys. And so it was it was awesome. It was it was a great um great process and my parents really helped me throughout all of it so I always had a great support system around me so once I you know came down to Utah Wisconsin I knew I couldn't go wrong so that kind of made it easier I just said you know so yeah why Wisconsin over Utah why is Wisconsin the best fit for you yeah I think um like I said I really bought into what the vision that coach uh, guard and Krabenhoff painted for me um they do graduate five big guys my red shirt if I were to redshirt my red shirt freshman year so there's maybe an opportunity to get some playing time there and to get their feet wet. That's what kind of they said. Um, and the path at Utah might have been a little bit more jumbled. Um, but also just being close to home. I mean, I've grown up watching Badger basketball and obviously their success in the Sweet 16, you know, the past 16 Sweet 16s they've been to. It's just amazing. I thought, hey, I want to go learn from the best. I, want, I just want to go all in and I know I have all the resources there, anything I need to become the best. So. I just wanted to throw myself into there, and obviously the legacy they have there, the coaching staff, kind of speaks for itself. So, how about the legacy with Big Man? You yeah, know, I mean, you think about it from, I'll leave out some names, but you know, from a Kaminsky, yep. to a Hap, yep. you know, certainly Nate Reavers of Lakeville North is, yep. is going in there. Yep. He should have some success. I mean, heck, I did a story this summer with John Lore. Yeah, I think about John Lore of Orono going back a number of years. Right. I mean, it seems like it's one six nine, six ten guy after another. Yep. It's had success wearing the red and white. Yeah, exactly. And another name to add to that, Greg Steamsma, too. Sure. Played there, and he was an amazing. And so they kind of said, we see you being kind of similar to those guys as far as body type goes. And that was kind of their pitch. They said, hey, look at our success, especially with uh, big Minnesota guys, you know, big Minnesota guys. So they kind of kept pounding that on the head. And I said, hey, I believe them. I know that they've had success. So if I go all in, I have everything I need there to 
um, maybe be like one of those guys someday. And it's cool now to have those contacts, those similar guys like me who went through it. So definitely that was a huge part of it for me. So. Take us through the four for five, how that will work. So you will initially walk on? Is that yep. how this will work? Yep, yep, exactly. Walk on for one year, preferred walk on, whatever you want to say, and then the next four on full scholarship. And they've kind of said, you know, things could change as far as they're not, you know, they're not sure. They said, you know, we've seen things change before. So, um, but I'm committed to them either way, obviously. So, that's and is that binding? Does that guarantee you? It's a wild hypothetical, but let's say Greg Gard got right. an NBA job in a year or two. Yeah. Again, crazy. Yeah. But crazy things happen. Yeah. Oh, Are you guaranteed sure. the scholarship no matter what? Yeah. They actually, that was something my parents and I kind of were wondering about. Some people said, hey, what if you don't perform as well? And then they're kind of looking like, hey, you didn't come as far along as we thought. But they, they actually signed a piece of paper, and so then they can't go back on it. And even with that, I mean, obviously, they're a program of great integrity. So, I mean... I would just look down on them if they ever did that. So I don't think they would, but I fully trust them. They actually do sign a paper, I think, that says, yes, he's going to be on scholarship these four years. So, yeah. Those of us who don't watch you on a regular basis, you know, we didn't watch you play this summer for the comments. Yeah. How much has your game evolved over the last year? Where have you gotten better? I mean, if you had to write a scouting report on yourself, yeah. what would that scouting report say? Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like really over the past few years I've kind of grown into my body and I've always been lifting but it's kind of been nice to see some of the fruits of those labor just getting stronger but I would say the first thing that comes to mind is just running the floor is that not a lot of other guys at my height you know being almost a seven footer can really get up and down the floor like that so I feel like uh, being nimble on my feet and just uh, going with that diving on the floor for loose balls just being a high energy hard worker guy those are kind of a skills coach uh, one coach said to me hey being, like being a jump shooter being a dribbler playing hard is a skill too so I feel like that's one of my biggest skill sets is just getting like a body on a guy every time rebounding playing hard running the floor trying to get in front of my guy to dunk it or lay it up or whatever um, and then also I feel like I've gotten a much better rebounder and I've just grown into my body more you know you hit a growth spurt and then I've just kind of consistently grown since then um, but I feel like a, a big thing that I'm excited to show um, whenever I get the opportunity is that I got a great shot too and a touch around the basket and I like taking off the dribble too so I feel like I haven't been able to show that as much but I've definitely been working on my shot and uh, dribbling too so I feel like I can kind of stretch the floor in that way and not just be combined to one thing like oh, a big bruiser big but I can do some of that stuff too so. Are you done growing? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what the doctor said. We'll see. I wouldn't mind growing a few more inches, but he said technically the growth plates or whatever are finished, but I mean, so we'll but see. But still, legitimately 6'10"? Yeah, with basketball shoes on, I'm 6'11 and a half. And all the guys in the NBA that say 7 foot, they're 6'10", and they rounded up two inches. So exactly. So 7 foot, yes. And then yep. 230 or so, give or take? Yeah, 225. Yep. I mean, is the idea, though, if you do redshirt for a year at Wisconsin, to put on a good 10 to 15 pounds of, of muscle? Absolutely. Absolutely. And some guys want to say, oh, you got to come in here and put on 30 pounds or 40 pounds. They don't know. You know, the, the uh, Eric Helen, that Wisconsin, the strength coach, said it's very individualized. So you come in here, they assess you. But yes, of course, to put on weight, because those guys in the Big Ten are big, brawling guys. And um, I feel like I have a good base, but definitely a lot of room to expand as far as that goes. So that would be the goal. How much pride do you take? And you think about the history here at Hopkins. Yeah. I mean, so many names from the Chris Humphreys to the Royce Whites. Yeah. 
up and down. I mean, right. Trent Lockett, you know, in recent Absolutely. years, Amir Coffee. I mean, I could sit here for 20 minutes and name <laughs> off all the names here at Hopkins. Yeah. How much pride do you take in following in those footsteps of all those guys yeah. who have gone on to collegiate and yeah. who knows, maybe even eventually a pro career? Yeah, I take a ton of pride in that. And that's what I've kind of been realizing as I get older, the senior year role, the senior season, I'm just like, I just want to make Hopkins proud and make Coach Novak proud. And obviously the um, success he's had here and the legacy he's built here with his dad coaching here before him too is just amazing. It's unlike any other really in the state of Minnesota for sure, but I think it's special in the whole world too. So to look up to those guys, it really gives me motivation to say, hey, I want to be a leader. Not just I want to score points, but I want to be a leader and a character guy who can uh, look up to those guys and say, yeah, I, I put my all out there. So definitely all those names you mentioned, it's crazy. It's crazy to have that legacy here and I'm really excited to do what I can do to win and be a leader on and off the court this season. So on soon. the motivation point, is there anything motivating that the Gophers had interests? Yeah. They've come and watched you play a bunch. Right. They didn't offer you. Yeah. So the hometown school did not offer you. Mm -hmm. Is there a little chip on your shoulder? Do you use that as a motivating factor? Do you say, you know what? Wisconsin. You're yeah. right. I mean, you think about all the Sweet 16s going to the national championship game in recent memory. Right. Hey, everything is fine. Utah, a really good basketball school, yeah. wanted me. Who right. cares if Minnesota didn't want me? Where do you stand on that? Yeah. Yeah. I think you kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, they found guys, highly talented guys like Oturu and Thomas and Kalsher gave who committed there. And I think they kind of found what they want. So, I mean, but I've always, I mean, I've always kind of had a chip on my shoulder because certain people didn't think I would be a high major player or didn't know where I'd develop as far as that goes. So, I mean, it's ups and downs. Some days you think, man, I'm playing great and, you know, everyone should offer me but, or something like that. You know, but no, I don't, I mean, obviously hold anything against them. They found what they wanted to and I wish them the best. They're the home team. Um, but, you know, it was just a better fit at Wisconsin and they were, they were more all in on me. So that's kind of how it goes. No, no hard feelings. I wish them the best. So the high major offers, Wisconsin, Utah, mid-major, was it UNC Wilmington? Who else? Yeah. Um, well, my final kind of five, even though I don't really like to put a label on it, was uh, UNC Wilmington, South Dakota, Denver, and then Utah and Wisconsin. And then I think I had, I don't know how many offers, but th those are the two high majors, and they're like 10 or 11 mid-majors, so. Yeah. How much do you look forward to being in Madison as often as you can? I mean, yeah. it'll be a grind during the right. season, but there should be a weekend or two where you can escape to Madison yeah. hanging out with guys you know, Brad Davis right. and Nate Reavers. Exactly. Oh, I'd love to uh, as much as I can. Like you said, it'll be busy, but I'd love to go on there for a football game or a basketball game. Obviously, when they start, that would be amazing. So we're going to try to look at that and see what dates work and definitely get down there. Tell me about your teammate, Zeke. Yeah. How do you say his last name? Najee. 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 Okay, Zeke, Zeke Najee. Najee. Yep. 2019. Yep. Interest in him is picking up. Absolutely. Wisconsin wants him badly, don't yep. they? Yeah, they do. They're his first offer. I mean, there's something to be said about that. They're gonna, they're gonna say, hey, we're the team that's been rolling with you. We're the first team to go all in on you. No, but Zeke is an amazing guy. I'm really excited for this season. We keep going after each other in open gym, button heads, and we're gonna be good. When, when teams have to. Um, deal with both of us, you know, instead of us going at each other and working together, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So he and I are just ready to kind of prove it, you know, that we don't have these offers for no reason, but, you know, who cares about all these labels? We just want to work hard together, and I'm really getting to know him better, and uh, I think we'll have a great friendship over this next season. So all respect to him. He's, he deserves all of it. He works very hard. So I'll leave you with this, Joe. I mean, you have the gift of gap. You're very comfortable talking. Yeah. I would think you were more of a vocal leader, not a lead-by-example guy. Will you be yeah. in Zeke's ear saying, hey, 
I'm going to be a Wisconsin Badger. It's on you now to join me in Madison? <laughs> um, we'll see. We've definitely talked about playing together. And I came up to him today. I said, hey, man, Hopkins duo, Wisconsin duo? You know, we'll see how it goes. But I know I know I'll have a ton of great options. He already does. I mean, Nebraska, Creighton, Wisconsin, those are all amazing programs with great histories. And I'm sure he'll only have more, obviously. So, I mean, wherever is the best fit for him, um, but definitely, I mean, that that would be awesome to play with him after here. But I want to give him some space too. I mean, he knows that. But he was excited. He said, "I'm very excited. Where, you know, wherever you go." And he, when he heard Wisconsin, I think because they have that connection with me and him, he's pretty excited about that. So we'll see. That was my first time talking to Joe Hedstrom. Consider me a fan. Such a likable young man. I will root for Joe Hedstrom. His uncle John is the former Minnetonka boys basketball coach. His cousin Joanna. Just got done playing for the Gophers. The Hedstrom family, a great basketball family. Joe Hedstrom, Hopkins big man, Wisconsin basketball commit. On his teammate, Zeke Naji. it was actually later that night, so I talked to Joe on an afternoon last week. It was later that night that Richard Patino was at Lindbergh Center on the Hopkins High School campus. He offered Zeke Naji. So the Gophers made the offer, the second player in the state in the class of 2019 with a Gophers offer, add to Matthew Hurt of Rochester, John Marshall. Also on Gophers Basketball, it's Big Ten Media Day later this week. Reggie Lynch plus Nate Mason plus Richard Patino will represent the Gophers in New York. They had two official visitors on campus last weekend. You had Anthony Nelson, a guard from out east, plus small forward Keontae Johnson from out east. Uh, I texted with a source that is in the mix. I was told, yeah, the visits went well. I guess I'll be waiting for the first time that I hear that a visit went poorly. But the visits went well, but the Gophers don't have a sense that they will land either one. On Nelson, I guess they have a chance. It seems to be down to them and Seton Hall, but a lot of people are leaning Seton Hall on Nelson. On Johnson, you look at his offer list. He's got Florida. He's got a bunch of really good offers. The thought is it will be hard for the Gophers to get Johnson. We'll finish with a potpourri of notes. Antoine Winfield Jr. I first brought up the possibility of a medical redshirt on last week's Scoop podcast. That continues to be a distinct possibility. Don't look for him back in the field, for example, against Illinois 230 on Saturday. They are pushing forward. The Gophers feel like they can get the medical redshirt. Winfield Jr. is on board with the medical redshirt. So things are moving forward in that direction. Gophers football commit wide receiver Rashad Bateman. I saw him tweet. He's from a high school in Georgia. I saw him tweet that he will play in one of those All-American January All-Star games. The hook is, it's in Houston, by the way, the hook is he will be coached by the head coach of Prior Lake High School, Prior Lake High School football coach Matt Gegenheimer. I don't know if I'm saying Matt's last name correctly. I did something over at Prior Lake a few years ago. Met Matt, really nice guy. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly or not. Matt Geigenheimer. Anyway, he will get to coach Rashad Bateman in that all-star game. Gophers football recruit. The Gophers want him badly. Quinn Carroll, Edina, class of 2019, current junior. He will be at Notre Dame this weekend. I would say Notre Dame is the Gophers' biggest competition for Carroll. Notre Dame-USC, a night game in South Bend this weekend. Quinn Carroll will be at that game. He dined, by the way, Wednesday night playing number one and unbeaten Eden Prairie. Also on Gophers football recruiting, they will have a number of 2018 commitments at Saturday's game against Illinois, plus a number of 2019 recruits. The headline would be, because he plays the premier position on the field, quarterback, He's from the state of Iowa, Max Duggan. Max Duggan, he was just at Nebraska last week for the Nebraska-Ohio State game. 
He's got an impressive offer list. Iowa plus Iowa State want him in state. You know, Nebraska is all over him. Nebraska wants him badly. He's got some Georgia interest. In fact, I was on the 24-7 website. Apparently, Georgia has offered this young man. His offer list is really, really impressive. One of the better quarterbacks in the class of 2019, Max Duggan. He will be at the Gophers-Illinois game. So very interesting. Or maybe the better way to put it, tantalizing. I mean, P.J. Flack, his staff have taken recruiting to another level. So it's not surprising they have one of the better quarterbacks in the class of 2019 visiting. They had one visit just a couple weeks ago. So they are in on some of the better quarterbacks in the class of 2019. So I guess maybe more so tantalizing. Interesting also applies. It's just, it's it's certainly a talker. I told you a number of weeks ago, I'm trying to follow recruiting a bit more, lean on some of my Gophers contacts, you know, trying to get the lowdown on what's going on in their recruiting world because it's such a talker now with the way P.J. Fleck recruits. By the way, the Gophers football team plus Michigan State had scouts from the Vikings, Rams, Patriots, and Ravens at TCF Bank Stadium on Saturday checking out, you know, whether it's, you know, Steven Richardson, Rodney Smith, all the Michigan State guys, any number of guys. Celestine's got a chance to be an undrafted free agent, so the scouts making their rounds. I was also told that every NFL team has already been to at least one Gophers practice going back to August. So going back a couple months Every NFL team has had at least one scout come through campus. On the Vikings, look forward to being at Winter Park on Wednesday afternoon. Teddy Bridgewater back on the practice field. Sooner rather than later, he will be back on the 53-man roster. It's not like the Vikings want Kyle Sloter to be the backup, you know, for the next handful of weeks. Sam Bradford not near any sort of return. I guess we can reevaluate Sam after the bye. Is it possible that Bradford is okay as we move toward the November 12th game at Washington? I suppose we can't dismiss that possibility. But as far as Teddy Bridgewater goes, I know they are very excited. He's been able to do everything off to the side, working with the trainers. You know, I've talked in the past about, you know, they had trainers rushing from the left, rushing from the right as, you know, left defensive end, right defensive end, having him spin away, move side to side. He's been able to make every throw he's had to make. You know, the next step is when somebody goes low on him, How will that knee respond? How will that leg respond? They won't go low on him in practice. But the thought is he is ready to go, and he should be back on the 53-man roster sooner rather than later. So it's entirely possible, maybe not for the Baltimore game. In fact, don't look for it to be the Baltimore game, but who knows? Maybe the London game, the Browns game on October 29th. I suppose the possibility exists that Teddy Bridgewater is the backup quarterback. Then the question becomes, how many quarterbacks do the Vikings want on the 53-man roster? Would you think about putting Bradford on IR? Would you expose Kyle Sloter to waivers, trying to get him back onto the practice squad? So many possibilities. But I do know internally the Vikings are very, very happy. Mike Zimmer thinks the world of Teddy Bridgewater. Mike Zimmer loves Teddy Bridgewater, so I know they are excited for Wednesday afternoon. Former Vikings news, Mike Motti is back with the New Orleans Saints. Matt Asiata, his agent, tried to get him on the Vikings before they signed Stephen Ridley. Then they let go Stephen Ridley a couple days later. Anyway, Matt Asiata had a workout with the Saints this week. Billy Turner, Moundsview High School, North Dakota State, underwent hand surgery. He's out for the year, placed on IR by the Denver Broncos. Marshall Kane, who was in camp with the Vikings, the former Iowa kicker, had a workout this week with the Redskins. They are looking for a kicker, but it sounds like they are going in a different direction. Anton Exum plus Robert Blanton, two former Viking safeties, had workouts this week with the Chargers. Taylor Heineke, former Vikings quarterback, had a workout this week with the Houston Texans. Other notes I have written down. Tyler Sheehy, Big Ten Player of the Year, missed last weekend against Penn State. Will he be back this weekend at North Dakota? 
The Gophers men's hockey team could really use Sheehy. I'm told as of Tuesday, he had not skated in a week. We'll have an update on Wednesday. I'm told it's an upper body injury. Upper body injury for Tyler Sheehy, not a long-term injury. But darn, they'd love to have him back for this North Dakota weekend, this upcoming weekend. By the way, Midco, who televises North Dakota hockey games, they tweeted on Tuesday afternoon that apparently they are now working on the possibility of the two games this weekend being on in Minnesota. As of now, though, there is no local TV coverage, no Minnesota TV coverage, or at least Twin Cities metro area TV coverage of Gophers North Dakota. Fox Sports North had interest, but they don't control those games. The way it works is the home team controls the broadcasting rights. In this case, it's Midco who televises those North Dakota hockey games. Just ridiculous. Figure it out. How North Dakota, Minnesota hockey games as of now are not on TV this weekend is absolutely positively absurd. I'm trying to think if I have anything else written down. Nothing over the top. I don't know if I jotted down all the notes I have in my phone. If I didn't, I'll get to them next week on Scoop Podcast Episode 104. But as of now, we will wrap up Scoop Podcast Episode 103. Always appreciate you listening. Thank you so much.